Welcome to Syntax, where we deliver tasty treats for web developers. This episode of Syntax is brought to you by FreshBooks, which is an easy-to-use cloud accounting software that saves small business owners two days a month in paperwork and gets them paid up to five days faster. For your 30-day free trial of FreshBooks, go to freshbooks.com forward slash syntax and enter syntax into the how did you hear about us section. We'll talk a little bit more about them partway through the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Syntax. Scott and I are here today to talk all about advice for newbies. So we've sort of compiled a whole bunch of the wisdom that we've gained over the years and uh, sort of like things that we've noticed over the years of actually teaching people who are new to programming. Um, and we're sort of just going to do a, a brain dump of all the advice that we have as well as uh, I tapped my Twitter crowd for some of the advice that th they have as well and uh, some some terrible advice on there, but also some really good advice that that, that has come in through. So um we're going to kick it off and uh, chat with Scott. How are you doing today, Scott? Oh, doing super good. I'm, I'm excited for this week. Uh, this, uh, I guess, tomorrow at the time of recording, this is the Google event to release or at least announce the new Pixel phones, Ooh. which uh, I'm very excited about. Um, and the NHL starts this week. I'm a huge hockey fan. So uh, it starts on Wednesday as well, I believe. And there's snow on the mountains out in Denver. So there's just so many wow. nice things happening this week. So very, very excited. Uh, how about you? Uh, quite a bit going on with me. I actually just released a big update to my ES6 for Everyone course, which is available at ES6.io. Um, and I, I had released it. I don't know, about a year ago, and that it covers all that ES6 has to cover. And the nice thing about this course is that it doesn't go out of date because it is the language, right? It's not like it's not like React or something that's going to update. However, uh, JavaScript has not stopped, uh, and there's a whole bunch of new stuff that's come to JavaScript, like async await, and we've had some, uh, we've got object spread coming, we've got some um, new methods, static methods on objects. So uh, I, I, what I did is I took a, a couple days and recorded just a bunch of videos that covers everything in ES7, ES8, ES9, um, and and just attacked it on to the end. The the, the major part of of it is uh, using async await now that we have it in the browser, now that we have it in Node. Um, we can do a lot more flow control, which it's totally replaced my use of like generators and, and uh, regular then based promises. So yeah. uh, I was super stoked to, to finally launch that. Yeah, that's one of those things that Meteor's had async await for or quite a little bit by default on the server. Yeah. And like, oh, my God, that that totally just changed how I thought about uh, any sort of, uh, you know, promises or anything like that. Love it. Big, big. It's fan. amazing. I've been I've been refactoring my own app and taking all the async dot waterfall calls out. And it's just like so yeah. beautiful to be able to to do that, as well as um, I, I, I go into some more advanced um error handling where you use a high order function to handle the errors rather than uh, wrapping everything in a try catch because that's a bit mm -hmm. of a bummer to have to do that all the time. Uh, sure. So sort of the combination of those things is makes coding just like so nice uh, for, uh, I don't know, sequence based stuff. Yeah, I think it's one of the, my favorite things about it, too, is just how um, easy it is to look at and just see exactly what's going on yeah you know sometimes with promises i think it, even though they're not it's not callback hell it's still the visual aspect of it to me can seem a little like that and so with async await i think it's just a, a nice little visual cue yeah yeah exactly and then I, I also launched my stickers uh last friday which 
was a bit of a bit of a kerfuffle. So they broke uh, the internet. yeah, I broke yeah. the internet. I, uh, I, they showed up, they were supposed to show up on Monday and they showed up on Friday afternoon. I was like, Oh, I bet I can get these suckers up by like three o'clock. So I did. And then I and then last time I didn't like email everybody to tell them that the stickers and I had a whole bunch of people that were mad that I didn't email them. So I was like, I better just like email and tweet it at the exact same time. So like everybody has a fair shot. Uh, and that was a huge mistake um, because <laughs> I, I, um, I it wasn't as much traffic as some of my other uh, projects, but uh, because I was not using Cloudflare to cache this, because Cloudflare does not work on .af domains, the the domain mm. name that I use is boss.af as sort oh, yeah, of a joke, right. um, which was a stupid thing because you can't use Cloudflare <laughs> on it. And then my whole server just fell over, uh, and uh, I got like something like three or four hundred emails telling me my server was broken. Uh, so I, I fixed it all. Um, I, I actually just had to scale up my DigitalOcean droplet. Um, and, uh, everything was, was back up and running and they surprisingly all sold out within about 14 hours. So I guess now I have to order some more. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not surprised. Everyone's <laughs> hungry for stickers, it's, you know, especially the, the, uh, syntax sticker that here, hold on, let me show you. I haven't even shown you what it is yet. Beautiful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Love that. Tasty Love treats. That. Tasty treats. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it. The, our sort of idea is that we're gonna we're gonna break this down into um, like three sections, which is like mindset for for beginners, um, tactical things you can can do day in and day out to make it work, um, and then we're gonna touch on like a hot topic, which is imposter syndrome. How do you actually deal with being like I'm not all that good at this? Why should I be? Uh, paid to do this or blogging about it or going to a conference or, or whatever it is. So, um, I don't know. Why don't you kick it off with, uh, some of your, your tips for dealing with mindset, Scott? Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, one of the most important things in learning in general is to have this understanding that the people who, who get where they are, um, they didn't get there by, you know, wondering or worrying about, um, not being skilled enough, they got there by opening their mind to deciding to devote a large portion of uh, time in life to to learning. So um, these people who are at the highest echelons of everything are are still to this day never stop learning. So you have to just really open your mind to this. Oh yeah, Wes is showing off a never stop learning sticker. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so true. It's like uh, you have to just completely open your mind and say, hey. I'm forever a student. There, yep. there was never going to be a time where you're done and graduated and like, I know everything. And, you know, I think that it is a, a mindset that can just hurt people's growth or hurt, hurt, you know, what you're learning or whatever. You just really have to say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to soak up everything I can. I'm, I'm going to try to learn as much as possible. And I'm going to do that from now until forever, you know? Yeah. And you have to be totally fine with like the your entire world being pulled from out from under you. Sometimes I see people that are in other industries. Like uh, I, I had a talk once where I there's this thing called shark bite in the plumbing industry that's just like totally changing uh, how quick it is to plumb a house and and how well. Uh, how well the, the the joints fit together and there's no leaking and you can like take it apart and you don't have to solder and it's there's all these benefits to it and uh, there's a lot of like people that have been doing like 
soldering pipes together forever. And they're like, that's stupid. I would never do that. But like the reality is that the entire industry is being shook up by these new things. Um, and you have to be totally fine with that happening. Like, I don't know, six times over your career. Like how many times have my, my industry, let me think about this. How many times have my industry yeah, been shook up? Right. Like I Just started completely shook up. jQuery came around uh, and then it was all about like angular and uh, backbone. Well, don't even forget flash because yeah i mean just think how many people were going to be flash developers till the end of time that's that's a that's a really good point and, and what we saw when flash was is that like people haha flash sucks but like the people that were doing flash were really smart people and the yeah. ones that were smart about it they just transferred their skill set over to other javascript apis and then there were just amazing javascript developers at that time right so right because action script wasn't that far off and i mean at least it, you had your your foundations there and it's based on ECMAScript. and uh, one of my mentors was like a huge flash developer and i never got super into flash myself but like the stuff she was making was like uh she made like the pokemon website <laughs> so like <laughs> wow. uh, like the actual pokemon website and so like those people you know she she was smart enough to see that it was coming to an end and and just transitioned hard and she's a brilliant front-end developer and uh did not get lost in that in that transition yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a really good point that you have there. Um, one of the mindset tips I have uh, for people, and it, I, maybe I should give a bit of background. So I've taught maybe 200 people in person who are brand new learning to code. And then obviously there's been uh, like many thousands of people online who are, are new to coding who I've taught. And uh, some of the stuff that I see is uh, first a frustration with how come everyone's learning faster than me, especially if you're in like a boot camp or a class or something like that. And you see some people just get it immediately. And you look at those people and you're like, oh, damn you. Like, why am I not getting it as fast as them? And um, that's great for those people. But most people take a lot longer to to pick up these things, myself included, is people always yeah. ask me, like, how do you learn so fast? And I was like, I, I don't. I learn really slowly. I, yeah. But uh, if you can sort of chip away at it and, and keep at it, it's it's no problem there. Um, there. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of times where I'm telling my wife, uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to solve this problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, you know, 24 hours later, you solve the problem. But it's just everyone struggles through stuff, especially learning and seem, things seem like way over your head. And if you keep persisting, you, you'll get through that that fog or that misunderstanding of whatever you're doing. Yeah. And so don't put yourself down. I think the other thing that I see a lot is people write themselves off as not that type of person. So uh, we see people come to programming and say like, oh, I'm not a mathy kind of person. I'm not going to be good at this or I don't think that way. And and they sort of just like, they like to like go online and find some sort of survey about their personality type and then just write it off because that's just the way that their personality is. When the reality is, is that doesn't matter at all. There's obviously there's different personalities are going to learn to learn a little bit different, but uh, don't stick that in your back pocket and pull it out as an excuse every time that something gets hard because this stuff is hard and uh using that as an excuse is, is not what you want to be doing at that point yeah and if anything you should be doing the opposite of that you should be looking at those those character traits and thinking of how those character traits can improve your your learning or maybe give you a different perspective that someone doesn't have like you know even if you have something that you feel like 
can hold you back, it, it most likely is a strength in another way. So if you flip it and say, hey, what does this strength allow me to do? Like me personally, I don't have a, a great memory or something like that. And I don't have these, uh, you know, I don't have this programming background, but I am super duper persistent and I will, you know, work on something as hard as possible for as long as possible until it gets done. So I could look at that and say, here are these things that are holding me back. But in reality, there's so many other things that will propel you forward. You just have to identify what those are instead. So, uh, yeah, it's so funny because I taught, I've taught breakdancing for a long time. Why well, I don't currently, but, um, I've taught for like children, I've taught adults, whatever. And it's amazing how many similarities are back and forth between the stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all teaching, but like, uh, one of the things we used to talk about in breaking was your foundation, right? So the foundational elements are like the dancing elements and sort of base positions and sort of base balance things and handstands and whatever. And the idea is if you don't have a solid foundation, you're never going to be able to get past that. So this, uh, you must have a solid foundation or else the entire house is going to fall down. So uh, that holds true with almost anything you're trying to learn. And especially in web development and things like that, do not neglect you know, basic HTML stuff, basic understanding of why you use things and when you use things, basic understanding of, of, of just general JavaScript, basic understanding of uh, CSS. Because people do get, they get to this point where like, even with things like CSS, where they're saying, well, CSS sucks for these reasons. Well, maybe it, it doesn't. And maybe that like, you just didn't learn the foundational elements enough. Um, and, you know, maybe it does in some ways too. But like, it, basically, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you really, really, really drive home those foundations, because those are what's going to support your entire career. And if you don't learn those foundations, you're going to find yourself coming back to them later on in your career and having to learn them solidly before you move forward. Yeah. And I think that is probably the advice that most people hate hearing because I get all kinds of email. People ask, should I learn React or Vue? I'm, I'm in this two months so far. What should I learn? And yeah. it's you want to like man. you want to be able to tell them like, oh, yeah, take take React and run with it. And you're going to land a job at Netflix and it's going to be great. But the like <laughs> the the like sort of bummer answer is, is like go back and do your array filters and uh, really focus on getting those fundamentals down pat because by the time that you get up to speed with React or whatever it is, it's totally going to be changed and the rug's going to be pulled out from under you. And if you're not able to adapt to whatever it is that people are working on at this time, then uh, you're going to have a bit of a problem. So um, that's, that's not to say like you should be sitting in the console log and uh, looping over uh, foobar baz for your entire life. But, and this is the exact sort of mindset behind my JavaScript 30 series is that um Focus on building stuff that excites you, but that is not so far abstracted from the fundamentals that you're you're not going to be learning them. So my JavaScript 30 series teaches you all kinds of like little fundamental things that you need to know about JavaScript, but not from an aspect of we're just console logging stuff all day long because that's we all know that's very boring to actually do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's one of those things where anything that can help you understand why you're doing something yep. is going to save you an epic amount of time in the long run. I mean, so many times people get errors and they'll, they'll come in, they'll come to me and say, Hey, I'm getting this error. What's the issue here? And a lot of times it says the issue right in the error. But if you knew why you were typing what you were typing, then the issue would be 
obvious, right? Like, uh, oh, why am I putting these brackets here? Oh, because it's an object. Why do we write objects like this? Because of this one. You know, it's like uh, if you if you understand these foundational elements, then you'll just have so much less friction, in, you know, growing up in your career here. Exactly. I think another example is uh, with when I used to teach uh, beginner HTML and CSS, we would always have a couple people that would say, can I just use Bootstrap? And yeah. I would say, um, like, sure, go ahead. I, I don't recommend it, but like if you really want to, because they think that they know they know it HTML, CSS well enough that they're going to just start using these things. And then inevitably what happens is when something breaks, they come to me and they say, why is Bootstrap doing this? Why is Foundation screwing up? And uh, the answer is almost always it's not Foundation or Bootstrap, but it's an underlying uh, issue with how you understand floats or how you understand the ideas behind inline block versus block or why can't I give a height to something or how do you clear elements that need to go side by side? And uh, as, as much as you want to just hurry up and, and learn these more advanced stuff because that's what's on the job posting uh it's well worth your time in learning those those fundamentals yeah and especially i i found this to especially be true with css because it, not css fundamentals and like a, an understanding of the cascade or, or how you can accomplish things easily in css mm -hmm. can take uh, a a large css file and make it so much more concise and so much more readable because you have this big picture understanding of how it's all uh how, how a nice way to build these patterns and and basically you can save yourself a ton of headaches later on with this big old messy giant spreadsheet or style sheet where you're adding a ton of styles to do things where you could accomplish with just uh, an, a better understanding of how to solve your your layout issues in general yeah, exactly. Um, another thing I always tell uh, people who are new to programming is like, give it a chance, give it a second, because uh, a lot of what I see when when people are learning how to do something one way, uh, the example that when I taught a boot camp that we had is we were just building HTML and CSS websites. Um, and then you switch to another way of doing it. Uh, and what we were doing at the time was we were switching to WordPress. Um, and then that's a huge wrench in people's plans because they just want to be able to edit the HTML directly directly and not have this like thing in between that would compile the HTML for them or output it in a little bit of a different way. And uh, we always had a couple of people who would say immediately say, I hate WordPress or I hate uh, X, mm -hmm. Y or Z. And they would just write it off immediately because it's not exactly what they're used to. Um, and chances are they, they say it was such like, um, I, don't, I don't know if it's when people talk very aggressively about not enjoying a certain language. I think that some people think it makes them look smart and it makes them look very opinionated and like well-rounded. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it to me, it just seems like, okay, you clearly don't understand the whole scope of everything. Um, and you don't understand the benefits of one way versus another. So uh, it's okay to not like a certain technology. You're going to have your own opinions, but like give it a chance at first. Uh, don't write it off immediately because you're there's likely a piece of that that you're not actually understanding. And uh, by learning how all these different pieces work together, you're going to get um, I don't know a better overall understanding, and then you'll be able to to sort of form your opinions as you you move along. 
Yeah, and we see this all the time, like all the time. When anything new or fancy or anything interesting comes out, even the upper-level people get into you know arguments whether or not this is a good idea or not or whatever. Well, they just give it a chance. I yeah. mean, even like CSS and JavaScript, like how 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 many seconds did it take for us to say that we were doing a CSS and JavaScript podcast to have somebody tell us that it CSS and JavaScript was stupid? I mean, it's just like <laughs> it was almost like on the dot. You hit send, and, and you're getting people telling you it's it's dumb. So I, I mean, that that's of my mindset too. Is that you need to be totally open minded to just see maybe there's a reason why people are liking this, and maybe there's a reason why it it's helpful. It can help you pretty much in anything, right? If there's a billion word press websites their chances are wordpress isn't the devil yeah, and it maybe probably you, okay. you just need to open your mind a little exactly. bit exactly yeah. uh, there's a there's i can maybe go back and find the tweets for me that i was at the conference when react was announced in i think it was 2013 um and there's tweets of me being like this is stupid you don't put your templates yeah. in oh, your logic yeah. what well, you're that separations of concerns like don't you know that and like obviously yeah. I had no idea. I was so inexperienced. Um, I didn't know of any better ways. I was sort of just like repeating the same stuff that everybody says about separations of concerns and, and stuff like that. And I thought that I was uh, making myself look smart and opinionated and well-rounded in JavaScript. But clearly I was so out to lunch that uh, people coming up with new ideas such as React were uh, they had been around the block a couple times and they understand that maybe you should rethink all of the best practices. And lo and behold, here we are a couple of years later and everything is going in the direction that React was sort of uh, showing. Yeah, and I was I was the exact same way, except for I don't have uh, an embarrassing tweet like that to uh, to look back on. It was more or less between coworkers looking at what is this? Like I'm happy with Angular here, and then like sure enough, yeah, tried it, loved it, whatever. Um, yeah, so that's definitely one of those things, and and you have to. Um, I think this goes along with you know one of the things that I was going to say was just basically don't ever act or feel like you know too much or everything. Because if you if you do, if you feel like you know this and you know that and whatever, and that these are the way things are, then you're you're you might as well just stop progressing at that moment. You're you're done. You're plateaued. Uh, so you have to sort of always be sort of able to expand your mind a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so do you have any other uh, mindset tips, or should we move over to uh, tactical things that you can do? Yeah, let's get into uh, let's get into some tactical stuff. All right. So my first one is, and you might even want to pause the podcast right now and just Google Ira Glass the Gap, and yep. um, this is like it's my most book. favorite um, motivational video. I show it to absolutely everybody who uh, is first learning to code. And so if you don't know, Ira Glass is a radio producer who runs the most popular podcast in the world called This American Life, and he's been at it for. 30 years. And of course, he probably gets email every single day from new students being like, hey, like, how do I get better? Um, and he sort of like stumbles upon this idea of when you're first getting started with something, whether it's you're becoming a podcaster or whether you're becoming a developer, there's going to be this gap in between your taste and what you can actually make. And you know that the stuff that you're making, you're looping over an array and the stuff that you enjoy, which is really sweet single page React apps, mm -hmm. there's this huge gap in between it. And it's sort of a letdown to, to, to sort of look at that and be like, huh, 
Like, I'm so far from that, and I just don't know how to close this gap. And what Ira Glass goes on to say is the only way to close that gap, and there's no book, there's no conference, there's nothing that you're going to do except do a lot of work. That's it. You just keep putting in the time, keep chugging away, keep doing work every single day. And by putting in that work, you're going to become more experienced. You're going to have a lot more stuff under your belt. And that's sort of like that, like incremental, those tiny little improvements that you do day in, day out. Um, it's sort of like like going to the gym or any other thing that you are trying to learn. If you put a little bit of time into it absolutely every single day and you improve a little bit every single day, you're going to wake up three or four years later and be go, oh, I'm actually kind of good at this and I'm getting paid for it. And it's my career. I'm sure I'm glad that I started this three or four years ago. Yeah. And it's one of those things that's so like everyone wants instant gratification on stuff, right? You want, uh, you know, you're playing the video game, you you level up and all of a sudden your character is way better and fancier or whatever. And it happened really quickly. It happens or whatever. There's those games on your phone that like tap into that like sense of you're constantly improving your farm or some, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like in real life, it just it doesn't happen that easy. And, and if you you want to take a little bit of growth over a long term and all of a sudden you'll wake up one day and say holy cow i have superpowers um and it happens to me all the time where i, I just i somehow transport my mind into my mind you know five years ago and i think about how cool like five years ago my mind would have absolutely been blown doing the stuff i'm doing yeah. right now and it's it didn't happen overnight it happened through every single day of working and growing to that and it takes a long time and it's pushing that little notch a little bit further every single day and then all of a sudden you'll find yourself just way 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 further than you could have imagined but it doesn't happen overnight and it's not easy and it's not necessarily like you know the the um it, it's not it's not the instant sort of gratification that you might want to get. Yeah, I, I have another example of this, which was um, not necessarily like development skills, but in terms of like building online presence or building a blog is when Chris Coyer first started CSS tricks. I, I don't know how long ago that was, I think like 10 years ago. Um, and I saw it after about a year or two and he had this huge following on the blog. And I, just, I looked at that. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Like. Yeah. I could do that. I could just write a blog post every other day for an entire year. And then like a year later, I would look back at it and it would be even more popular. And I would just be sitting there being like, I could do that. All he's yeah. doing is writing CSS uh, blog posts every single day. And like, and what I finally like, like knock myself over the head is, is I'm not doing that. And clearly all that it like, obviously he's a really good writer. He's a smart guy. He knows a lot about CSS, but uh, all of that stuff has come just because he was incredibly consistent with writing these blog posts about it. And if you look at it over the course of 10 years, the thing is absolutely massive now because it's that day in, day out, small little progress every single day. Yeah. And that same thing applied with Level Up Tuts, right? I mean, how many, uh, I know Ben Ben Schaff, the guy I started Level Up Tuts with, he and I used to talk about doing something like Level Up Tuts for probably about a year before we actually did it. And if we would have started that year earlier, I can't even imagine where it would have been by now. I mean, we would have had a whole nother year of content under our belt, but that was the same thing. It was okay, well, we'll just start it. We'll just make video tutorials every single week. And and people, you know, ask about that YouTube growth. And really, it was just, 
consistency over four years or whatever, just uploading content all the time. And it, it would never have gotten anywhere if it wouldn't have started, right? You, you're own, you have to start yeah to get somewhere yeah the consistency is such a competitive advantage you know just being able to to do it because if you're looking at other people who might be catching you in terms of uh career or if you're trying to build some sort of blog or online video course or something like that uh there there are things like little tricks and hacks that can get you a little bit extra but there's there's absolutely no replacement for uh that day in day out work that's that's going to to grow over time this episode of Syntax is brought to you by FreshBooks. And you all know that I love FreshBooks and I use FreshBooks for all of my stuff. But I want to talk to you about one of the pieces of FreshBooks that I didn't even know existed. So I actually sent FreshBooks an invoice for this podcast on my own FreshBooks, which is mind blowing enough that you can build FreshBooks using FreshBooks. But uh, one thing I didn't know is I goofed up the the. I goofed up the invoice and I put the wrong amount of tax on it because because FreshBooks is from Ontario where I'm from. Um, and FreshBooks has the ability to comment on an invoice and sort of go back and forth with the person who is receiving the invoice. And that is extremely helpful because uh, often I'll have like back and forth with clients uh, on an invoice, whether it's the right amount or if it needs to be paid or something like that. And um, that stuff gets lost in email and it's not directly attached to the specific invoice that you're talking about. So if you ever need to pull up the information that you were were trying to talk about with with your client, then it's kind of hard to match up email with the actual invoice. So FreshBooks allows you to comment on the invoice and go back and forth and chat directly tied to the invoice. So at any time, if you need to go back and look at what had happened, you can read the chain of events in terms of when people commented it and even when people had viewed it. So uh, if you are a small business, you just need to bill somebody and you need to get a real invoice, throw Microsoft Excel in the garbage and grab FreshBooks. Go to freshbooks.com forward slash syntax and enter syntax into the how did you hear about us section. Thanks so much for them for sponsoring. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking tactical. So one of the things, you know, a lot of the times is just getting your hands dirty. And we mentioned, you know, foundation, right? And there's a time and place to really drill that foundation in. But there's also a time and place to get out of your comfort zone and experiment a little bit and have no idea what you're doing while you're sort of figuring out what you're doing. And one of the best places to do that are things like CodePen um, and just you can browse CodePen and there's so many cool projects on there. And you could look at this stuff and think, maybe I can never do this. But I think one of the coolest things that uh, that allows you to do is it allows you to look at a project and then maybe without looking at the source code say, I might not be able to do this, mm -hmm. but let me just try. And just spend a, an hour or two or whatever just hacking together something, seeing if you can do it. And maybe you're going to be in the total wrong way. But at the end of the day, that's a learning experience. Mm -hmm. And, and those, those failures will push you in the right direction. But it'll also help you understand it a little bit more deeply. And when you look at the actual solution, then maybe that solution is going to make way more sense. And it's going to have a lot more impact than just like, oh, I'm reading some code now and this is what it is. So you do need to get your hands dirty and you do need to experiment uh, uh, quite a bit with code because that's how you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have issues. You're going to have problems. You're going to work through those problems. And then you're going to push that notch just a little bit further and you're going to uh, have some personal growth there mm -hmm. 
Well, one other uh, tip that I like, and this is actually from at uh, Simon Swiss on Twitter. He said, don't wait to be an expert to put yourself out there, write blog posts, submit meetup talks. Uh, you'll inspire people and you'll grow your own self. So I think that that is 100% my story as well, is that um, mm-hmm. I, I always like like to put myself maybe like I talk about putting yourself out there or pushing yourself maybe like a 15% more than you think you should. Um, and by doing that, you're going to put yourself into new waters and you're going to learn new things really, really quickly. So, uh, when I first started writing blog posts, I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I learned like a little, little thing, like whether as a little piece of WordPress or a little piece of CSS and I understood it. So I wrote it down on a blog and, uh, I also did that with meetup talks. I knew a little bit about this one thing. So I went to meetups and I did talks on that one little thing and being being okay with knowing one thing but not knowing a whole bunch of other stuff is exactly where you want to be you're not going to be an expert you don't sit around and and wait until you're an expert at something to be able to start sharing and teaching others Um, by doing it as you are growing as a developer you're going to strengthen your own skills uh, so much more. I, I think back to when I was first teaching uh, CSS layout, it was back with floats. Um, and like when I first started that class, like I had a pretty good idea. I could hack together floats and keep changing stuff until it worked. But then when I taught it, I actually had to really figure out how does floats actually work? Why does clear fix happen? Why is a clear fix fix it? Uh, and like all of these things. And now I have just like this amazing mental model of how does layout in the browser work? Yeah, I mean, is there any better way to truly understand something than to have to explain it to someone who doesn't understand it? Like, I, I sometimes when I'm I'm working through something, I know my wife doesn't love this, but I talk <laughs> it through with her, and she like her eyes roll out like I I am not I have no idea what you're talking about, but it's it's not for her necessarily, and, yeah. and she can tune it out for all I care because uh, the process is me having to understand it in a way that I could explain it or at least attempt to explain it to someone who has absolutely no background or understanding of what the heck I'm talking about. And and some of those things can just truly eliminate like really those foundational what and whys and hows you're doing something rather than just push button, get code working yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, know? exactly. And I think if, if you are looking like, how do I even start that? Like, what does that look like for me? Um, it is going on Stack Overflow and answering questions. It's writing a blog post or um, my favorite is you find a meetup group that does sort of coding. And here in Ontario, we have Ladies Learning Code, which does weekend workshops. And they are always looking for mentors, which you grab a table of uh, three or four women and you are their point person to explain stuff to. And it's amazing that you spend a couple Saturdays doing this. Uh, you're going to really start to first understand what common trip up points are for people, but you're going to find that your own skill in whatever it is that they're teaching starts to get a lot better because you've explained it six or seven times to, to that person. So find your, your local group, whatever that is and volunteer to actually help out with that. Cause that's going to skyrocket you in terms of your own understanding of it as well. Yeah, or hop on even like Slack rooms and stuff like yeah. that. There's a ton of like coding Slack rooms. Wes and I both have one. And and people there are always having, you know, questions or problems or whatever. And there's always opportunities to teach or show someone something that you might know that maybe they don't. And and, it, and if you feel like you, you don't know enough to do that, there's always going to be something that you know that someone else doesn't. There's just always going to be that mm-hmm. situation. Um, so I, I don't know, like Wes said, just jump into it and find ways to teach people. Um, 
yeah, it's definitely something that will improve your overall understanding of what you're doing. Exactly. So yeah, another thing that I think is is really tactical for um, just having personal growth here is is we mentioned before, like doing things that excite you, finding things and code that that will propel you into states of learning because that like flow state or that learning state where you're not doing anything but focusing on whatever you're trying to learn those come about because you are interested in what you're doing if you're totally checked out and not interested in what you're doing then it's it's going to be difficult or more difficult to get into those states of deep deep learning deep learning and deep thinking so if you have a project for fun or client whatever for fun projects are usually easier to be honest because um you know there's obviously ties to motivation with monetary stuff right i don't know if you know about this uh but it's like psychologically uh less beneficial to have money tied to a project uh, for your own personal motivation and that's why many times when people get paid for things, they, they lose the motivation in it. it it's Interesting. sort of like counterintuitive thinking. It works. Uh, my wife explained it to me that it works to an extent, right? If you give someone a dollar to do this thing, then they're going to be more inclined to do it. But if you make it their job, they're going to be less inclined to want to get into that flow state. So it's definitely one of those things is take things that are interesting, exciting, maybe not your job, but maybe could be related to your job yep. in some sort of way. And, and just grow with it, find something fun, make it, try to make it and uh, let yourself get totally enveloped in something that is, um, you know, potentially, uh, just groundbreaking for you. Another tip that I have is to take something that already works and then try to tweak it to, to, to do what you want because sometimes if you're trying to like build an express app from the ground up it's incredibly frustrating and it's likely that you might not ever get it working so what i like to say is grab something like um if, if you're trying to learn express there's this thing called the hackathon starter uh, the hackathon the starter theme or starter boilerplate or something like that where uh you can just npm install this thing and then there's an entire like login system to, hooked up with twitter there's pages and data everything is already done for you and you go oh okay well now i want to uh make a new controller and a new model and i want to be able to save items to that model or if you're trying to build a website um, maybe grab a WordPress and a very basic starter theme and then build up from there because starting from a point of it works and going sort of tweaking it and it works, it works, it works, it works all along the way, uh, especially when you're first getting into this is so much better because it, I understand that the frustration of it's broken and I've been, it's been broken for six hours and I'm, I'm mm -hmm. ready to quit this. That is all <laughs> too true. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, you will experience that so much over the course of your career. Like, I just don't even know, I don't know how I can even proceed with this, but a lot of times it is that persistence and, uh, you will get through it and it will work. Uh, you just have to trust that. Maybe go for a walk. Yeah. Clear your brain a little bit. Have a it's shower. Funny, I, mean, I always do that myself. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. just walk away and then it's going to come to you at, at some point. Don't waste any more time on it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of my, one of my, probably like my 
first or second WordPress website, probably my first WordPress website ever. Uh, it was, it was just that it took a theme. I already, I didn't know the CSS layout stuff enough, like floats and everything like that. I didn't understand that stuff enough, but I knew I wanted to make this, this color and this, this color, whatever. So I found a WordPress theme that had the layout I wanted to, and I just tweaked the visual styles until it worked. Uh, and it was just an experiment just for fun, but it then taught me a lot about how they made those layouts and how, uh, that stuff actually works and um, why people do things certain ways. So definitely, definitely a good tip there. Let's move on to the third part, which is talking about the imposter syndrome and how to deal with it. So imposter syndrome is uh, when you think that you are a bit of an imposter with your in regards to your level of coding. So it, it always comes when uh, people take on a project or you're applying for a job or uh, you actually get a job or you're, you're going to do a conference talk or you're writing a blog post. And it always sets in where you're like, I really don't know what I'm doing here. Um, and the answer to that is, first of all, you actually do know more than than you think. Uh, and second of all, everybody, absolutely everybody gets this at every stage of their career. I get it myself all the time. Um, and just being able to to deal with that and understand that <laughs> this is something that everybody gets uh, is super important. So let's talk a little bit about like, how do you actually deal with imposter syndrome? Yeah, I, I think for me, one of the most important things uh, for dealing with imposter syndrome is to look at your accomplishments. So, um, and you, you chances are you have accomplishments, right? Whether it's you've made this or you've made that or you, you, you develop this. I, I think about like my wife, she has a PhD and she gets imposter syndrome. And you just have to think, you worked really hard for this PhD. All of that stuff that you got up until that point to work that hard, that is your proof that you deserve to be there. In breakdancing, man, we used to enter competitions and we'd be going against uh, some people and maybe like the semifinals or something like that that were just really high-level people. But you got there because you got there. It was a tournament and you worked hard and you got there. So you deserve to be standing where you're standing. And that same thing applies to absolutely everything, right? In programming, you got to where you are and you were given the opportunity because of all of your past accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to look at those past accomplishments and really wear them as like a badge of honor and a badge of courage, right? Like let that stuff push you through. Absolutely. I think also where imposter syndrome comes in is when people are applying for jobs that seem a little bit outside of, of their realm or they're interviewing for a job that seems a little bit harder than than the skills that they know. Um, and that's absolutely, absolutely normal. I, I think that it's it's fine because you don't get hired just alone for your skill set because mm -hmm. uh, people look at you as a potential hire and they say, OK, this person is great at learning. Uh, I could see them like people. They essentially want to like buy low and sell high with with developers they yeah. want to they want to hire people who are uh at an entry level because it's cheap and uh like the hot like high level developers command quite a quite a large salary they're hard to get they they move around a lot so if they can take a look at you and say okay this person has learned this much so far and they clearly show that they enjoy learning um and then they also have all of these soft skills stop bleh. They also have all of these soft skills that come along with uh, being a good developer, which is having empathy for other people, understanding how to work on a team, how to how do you communicate properly, um, 
how do you, do you understand the the business aspect and the goals and all the stakeholders of of the actual business side of it as well as as being a developer and sort of all those things that come together is what will make you a a really really good hire and that's what people are looking for when uh, they're off and looking for looking for someone to hire you. It might just look like a list of skills that someone wants to hire for, but being a very well-rounded person uh, is almost always what people are looking for uh, when they're hiring for a job. Yeah, and absolutely. And it's one of those things where you have to look at it this way too. If if you are looking at this job application and it doesn't feel a little bit over your head, then you're aiming way too low because that's how you grow as a developer. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take a job full of stuff that I already know how to do. You want to take a job full of stuff where you can grow in that role. I, I can't even think of a single job I've ever applied for or gotten that wasn't above what I felt like my level was because what's the, what's the point of, of staying down at that level? right you want to be pushing yourself forward and that imposter syndrome that comes in and says you maybe can't do this well if you get the job you can do it i mean you you can make it work you can learn you can if they want you there in that role then you're supposed to be there so um you know you want to be looking for these opportunities to see it as a growth potential rather than a overwhelmed i can't do this yeah. kind of potential or i shouldn't be here potential you know i i just thought of a really good new sticker idea a sticker that just says i bet i can figure it out <laughs> like, yeah absolutely and that's all oh my god i can't tell you how many times that's been my my motto <laughs> you know i've um it's actually really funny because again my wife would be like i told her i'm taking on this or this and this project and she'd be like can you do that and i'll be like i can figure it out yeah (laughs) i can make it happen and you do make it happen if you got it right i mean you get thrown overboard you figure out a way to get back on so yeah i would always take on stuff that was way over my head and that's where i would always reach out to my community being like look like i i remember once i took on um, the idea of like like a realtor website where we're gonna pull in live listings into his website, and uh, I realized I'm that, doing like, one I, of those right now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> As a freelance project, yeah. I realized I had no idea how how to possibly do this, so I had to reach out to friends uh, who who did do this, and I explained it to them, and, and they sort of like helped me out and and got me up and running with the piece and and getting it out of bare bones functionality and. Just know that there is a huge developer community out there, whether it's and at times I also had to to, to pay people uh, at this time as well, because I, I realized like I took on this project. It's a paid project, but it's way over my head. Now I need to, to help someone in. But I, the next time around, I was able to do that. And then you do that every single time where you push yourself just a little bit, 15, 20 percent more than you think you should. Um, and that's how you you get some serious growth and and sort of kill that Im- imposter syndrome that you have. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, uh, so there's there's two things I, I guess I want to say about that is you do kind of got to be a little bit smart about it because like, obviously, you don't want to take on a project that you have no idea. Yeah. What you, like <laughs> you want to take something that like you're 80% sure you can do or 70% sure you can do. If it seems like if somebody's asking you to build you know, something that seems totally mysterious to you and you have no idea where to even start, maybe reconsider. But yeah, you want to be finding these opportunities that are past your comfort zone, but not like epically past your comfort zone. And another is if you fail on these things, like what's the worst that could happen, right? All of a sudden you get this job that's like above your level. It 
you know, maybe it pays a lot or whatever. The worst thing that could happen if you fail is you get fired and then you look for another job because it didn't work out. But at that, that point, you're still at square one and you've gained a little bit of experience. And that that's not a bad failure. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being over your head and not being able to hang. You, you'll grow from that. And same thing with any of these projects. Like Wes said, what, and the worst that happened there was that there was something that was above your level mm-hmm. and you paid someone else to do it and you got through it so like yeah failing is really not a, a huge thing with with uh imposter syndrome right if you feel like you you take something on it's above your level you you fail at it you got to look at that as still a positive right your a personal growth moment yeah and another tip i have is just sort of adopt uh an attitude of not knowing absolutely everything and, and being open. It's sort of like, this is like full circle to our, our first point, I think is that yeah. uh, like, I claim to know a lot about some things, but there's other things that I absolutely know nothing about. And uh, rather than sort of like fake understand in, in whatever, I just say, I, I don't know. I've actually never done that. I've, I've never touched it before. Uh, like somebody asked me the other day, um, what do you use for code coverage? And I say, well, like, I actually haven't done a whole lot of code coverage before. And that's fine because that's something that I'm, I'm looking at learning right now. Um, but just being uh, being totally fine with not knowing absolutely everything and uh, being open to chatting with other people who are experts in a specific thing, because you can always like leech information out of these other people that are experts in that specific area. Yeah. And nobody knows everything there you know everyone has gaps everyone has gaps in different sort of places and some gaps are bigger than others and whatever but that shouldn't be holding you back from anything right the all you should be looking to do is if you need to fill those gaps fill them and if you don't need to fill them then maybe i don't know maybe you don't need to fill them but like if you have a, a basically you just don't don't let that stuff hold you back just don't let it hold you back yeah uh, because everyone has gaps everyone has imposter syndrome everyone struggles uh improving all the time and it's also just about persistence and uh i like we said open-mindedness and persistence you'll get there exactly i, I think oh i i know we're we're going long here but I, one more tip is like um Gary Vaynerchuk always talks about staying in his lane, which means that like find your thing and just become like slam dunk that that one thing in in your your aspect. So whether you are the person who does CSS animations, you're the SVG person or you're the the view components person or whatever it is, like you're the webcam person. Uh, if you lo- just like take that one thing and just run with it, write a bunch of blog posts, submit talks to conferences, and you're going to get this really good confidence being like, I might not know a whole lot about absolutely everything because this JavaScript world and this web development world is absolutely enormous. But I sure do know a lot about how uh, text and X SVG work together. And, and whenever there's a question about that or, and especially like take something that's new and run with it because, uh, like grid just CSS grid just came out. Uh, there's a huge opportunity right now for you to become the CSS grid person. So you can write a bunch of blog posts, submit a whole bunch of talks. And over the next three years, grid is going to become extremely popular and you hit your, hit your horse to that wagon or hit your wagon to that horse. I think the horse would be CSS grid. You put your wagon on that and uh, Wait, and run with it. It depends on if the horse is in the... The horse is always in the front of a wagon. Yeah. I guess I should know this being in a wagon country here. 
Ever since we moved out west, we're like, wow, this is a lot more western than, you know, there's like. Is there just wagons in the streets? No, but we were just at an apple orchard or whatever, and there was like <laughs> like old wagons, like antique giant wagons, oh, yeah. just like decrepit hanging out in the field. Hitch your yeah. what is the saying? Let's let's look this up. Hitch, hitch your ra- your yeah. hitch your wagon to a star. There's no horse, Scott. It's a star. So you want to hitch your what? wagon to the CSS Grid star or the Flexbox star or the like? I just tweeted today about some brand new stuff that's coming to. Uh, to JavaScript, just figure out how this one thing works and write a whole bunch of blog posts, make some YouTube videos, apply to conferences to talk at that. Well, we'll have another whole um, episode on conferences itself, but then you can use that as sort of your your launch point and you, you can rocket yourself up in that topic. Yeah, well, look at that. You went full circle with the rocket hitching to a star, all that. <laughs> yeah, we're getting it. <laughs> uh, I don't, I always screw up sayings. I, I don't understand how it all works. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm the worst about that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, any, any last tips about, I, I think like maybe we should talk a little bit about, oh. uh, jobs. Uh, I would have one. Yeah. I would have one more in like job interviews. Yeah. Right? Uh, and having to deal with imposter syndrome, maybe we can use this as like a segue, but, um, imposter syndrome, you should never let it affect your confidence in a job interview. And in a job interview, you should be honest. Like if they ask you a question, you don't know the answer. You can say, I don't know the answer, Mm -hmm. but like never let that hurt your confidence because, uh, if they ask 20 questions and they're asking them to 20 people, if those 20 people are honest, you know, not all of them are going to have the answers to all of the questions. So you you can't let it affect your confidence just because you don't know the answer to one thing or maybe the other thing or this thing or that thing. You're still a valuable candidate. You can learn that one thing or those two things or those even three or four things you didn't know. You can learn those on the job. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. So in an interview itself, you cannot let this stuff get to you. You have to go in there and be confident with your abilities and you have to say, hey, I deserve this job because I'm here. They let me in the door. I deserve to be here. They're not, you know, hiring security to go grab me by the collar and throw me out. Then you deserve you deserve that that chance to prove yourself. That's that's really good advice. I I myself have I've only ever interviewed for one job and it was years ago I, I got asked to interview at Google and I went through it just because it was Google and I thought that'd be kind of neat to, yeah. to work at Google. Um, and I didn't get the job. I got pretty far. I think I got about four or five interviews I'm in. I'm gonna say, I also interviewed at Google. How, yeah, how far did you go? I did, did you get flown out there? Because I got I got flown to to Mountain View. That's as far Ooh, as I got. Uh, well, I uh, I drove because Google's about forty five minutes out from here. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think I did three phone interviews and three in in person interviews that were like technical, uh, yeah. like whiteboard challenge, and it, it was I felt like so defeated after I had gotten the the thing. But then what had happened is that I wrote a blog post about my experience in getting turned down by Google and uh, my email inbox exploded with job offers. Like I couldn't believe it, but it makes sense to me now. Like some kid that got through six Google interviews now. And also at the time I felt like a huge imposter. I remember like, Oh yeah. I remember just like reading about sorting algorithms and tree sort and bubbling and all these computer science stuff. And I was like, shit, I am not going to be able to do this interview. And uh, it turned out to be good. Like the people were very reasonable and the, the questions that they asked were, were stuff that would happen actually in JavaScript. And I didn't have to do a tree sort or, or anything like that in the interview. And 
I'm glad I did it because I, I had huge um, confidence issues going in and then coming out of it, and especially after writing that blog post, I felt great about uh, my own skills. And maybe I do know a few things about this. Yeah, and I, I mean, I had a lot of the same feelings because here I am, I'm getting flown out. You know, they're they're paying for my my room and board to fly me out, and they're, I had to spend an eight hour day. I had to have I had like six interviews, and I had to give an hour long presentation, wow. like a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, and I, I was just in there like the entire like time leading up to it, like holy cow, am I good enough for this? Like, what am I gonna give a presentation? Like, this is. Holy cow. And uh, you know, sure enough, you went through and you did it. And I look back on it so fondly because it was awesome. It was a great, it was a great trip. And again, I didn't get the job, but I didn't get the job. Uh, and that opened up the uh, opportunity for me to move to Denver, right? Which is one of the, you know, the best things I've done in my career. So, you know, there's just so many things like that, that they'll seem like these big, giant, daunting, you know, ah, I can't do this kind of stuff. And you just, do it and you're always better for it and you always feel good about it afterwards even if you even if you would have gone in there and totally failed mm -hmm. they still invited you to come out there and do that i mean that was a it's a big deal yeah it's a pretty sweet story so i actually i'm curious more about your google interview story what did you make a powerpoint on <laughs> well so they gave me like a one of these exercises and it was like a mobile layout and it was like just recreate this mobile layout. And at the time I was doing Angular, so I did it in Angular. So I had nice and fancy, I had like, uh, you know, touch pullout drawers, and wow. onloading animations and stuff like that. So it was fancy and I did a good job and whatever. And I, uh, I got to talk about uh, I did my presentation on animation. So then I talked about, you know, um, request, uh, request uh, animation frame, request animation frame. I, I wanted to say request or user media because we had that one, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, request animation frame and talking about how I got it to 60 FPS and how I did the, you know, the touch drags and how I did the animation on loading and stuff like that. And just talking about why you wouldn't want to use easing curves. So I, I just did it on, on CSS animations, which is one of the things I, like the most you know um that's sort of my go-to is if if you got to do something that is big and scary go to something that you really like yeah and i really like css animations yeah that's pretty neat that's kind of cool that we maybe this should be our clickbait title for the podcast <laughs> how, how we didn't get jobs yeah. at google yeah <laughs> advice for newbies and how not to get a job at google <laughs> yeah right cool well, that's that's good. I think one more tip. I, I really don't know all that much about like the job world, but um, I have seen quite a few bootcamp students. Um, and like one other tip is that in the, the tech industry, it seems that the best way to uh, to increase your your level is to jump around uh, quite a bit. So I, I've definitely seen lots of people who they have a beginner um, entry level role for a year or two. Uh, and then they jump to something else and they get like a 20, 30 grand pay increase. And then they jump to something else. And before you know it, after like five or six years, uh, these people are in senior level. They are, they're leading teams. They have senior level positions. They're making over a hundred grand a year. And uh, it's pretty incredible. But you, you think about it, like if you were to spend six years straight on this thing, you, you start to, to figure this stuff out, right? Yeah. And, and that's exactly how my career is mostly when I've almost always worked at agencies and whatever, you can't be afraid to take those opportunities. I mean, one of the jobs I had, I had, I had only worked at for six months before I got a recruiter email giving me the opportunity to build the front end of Ford.com. And it's like, you get that email and you're like, yeah, 
I just took this job, but I I know so many people that would be like, well, I haven't been at this job this long and whatever, but here you have an opportunity and, uh, this opportunity is going to one, look great on your resume, but two, it's going to potentially propel you into so many further roles or learning opportunities or whatever. If these job opportunities are here at the very least go and interview, you've been at one place for two weeks, go and interview, who cares? You get a job opportunity, just interview and check it out and see what that opportunity could lead to because it could be something that could totally change your career and in just the best possible way that's true and also help shake all any nervousness or it'll help you get more comfortable interviewing because like scott and i talk every week on the podcast and even just this how many what this is number 14 15 uh my conversational skills are, are getting a lot better just by doing this so i could see that also happening through doing a lot of interviews yeah, I have uh, gone to probably more interviews with the expectation that I don't want the job, even if they give it to me, <laughs> uh, just because you, you, you'll you you'll flesh out some things, right? You'll, one, get those skills practiced. You'll, you'll feel more comfortable in interviews going forward, which is a huge thing to feel comfortable in an interview. Uh, I mean, I think we should maybe even do a little bit more talking. I have a lot of ex- experience on both sides of the table there. So like uh, what people are looking for or not, but um you you do these things and off the off chance that this project ends up becoming something super cool and maybe they they value you coming in there so much that they throw a big offer your way and then all of a sudden you have this big offer sitting in front of you that you can take and just again totally change your financial situation your career whatever you never know if you could go into something that says um, okay, the base pay is 80,000 or whatever you go in, you do your interview, whatever. And then they say, you are the guy we want you. And you say, okay, I'm going to cost a hundred thousand. Yeah. And then, then they'll say, okay, well, let's see if we can make that work. They're going to go back, maybe make it work. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to even apply an interview for things that you might not necessarily, um, need, right? Yeah, it's all going to be it's all going to be personal growth. It's going to give you confidence. It's going to remove that imposter syndrome. It's going to inflate your ego a little bit, especially if people are throwing job offers at you. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. So hopefully that is some some useful tidbits to to newbies. If you are an experienced developer, hopefully that will also help you. Uh, maybe mentor somebody who is new to the industry. Cause I know a lot of times as developers, we get asked for advice from people and it, we might not necessarily know what to tell people. I think what most people do is this is what I did. So why don't you go forward, do the exactly same way. And, and this stuff is always changing really, really quickly. Like the fact that I started off writing blog posts, that might not be the best way anymore. Right. So, right. um, I don't know. It's, it's good to have this, this sort of viewpoint when you're, you're talking to, to newbies, uh, and whatnot. Also, I, I'm gonna plug the 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 Code Newbies community. There's this this really amazing community called Code Newbies, and they have a podcast and they have like a Twitter Q and A every every week. And the, I, the only reason I know about it is because uh, my JavaScript 30 has become like a big part of the uh, the Code Newbies sort of uh, community. And it just seems like such a great positive. Uh, supportive community. So if you are fairly new to learning to code, definitely check that out. Nice. So let's do uh, let's do some sick picks and some uh, shameless plugs. So what do you got for me for a sick pick today? Yeah. So my sick pick is going to be something that uh, is it's the Nintendo Switch. Ooh. Okay, I'm sure maybe a lot of people know about this. I, I got it on pre-order before it came out. I'm a big fan of 
uh, Nintendo stuff. So uh, I wasn't going to miss the Switch. It looks awesome. And sure enough, every single month, a new excellent game has come out for it. The hardware is fantastic. Like It's just so solidly built. It's great because if we're like hanging out and watching TV, my wife can like put on some TV that I don't care about and I can play the switch and we're still getting to hang out together. Right. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to go play video games. Yeah. And you're going to go do something else, you know? So it gives you an opportunity to just sort of take video games with you, whatever. And I, and I don't play a ton, but like, um, that Zelda game was just brilliant. And then I just got a game called a golf story, which is like, um, it's sort of like a classic RPG where you're like walking around to different towns and talking to people and solving problems. But the whole thing's like rooted in like super regular Nintendo style golf game, which I like grew up playing these old golf games. I'm a terrible golfer in real life, but uh, golf games are just so fun. And it's it's just an absolutely hilarious combination. Uh, someone described the game as like a warm blanket. It's very uh, fuzzy and comfortable game to just sit down and play, like low stress or whatever yeah. like that. So uh, between all of that stuff, man, this, the Nintendo Switch is just super cool. Even if you you know uh, are just playing video games here and there, it's it's just awesome. Yeah, I've never been a video game guy at all. My my first website was about PlayStation 2 and I got super into yeah. building the website for it uh, and like just like dreaming of it for like a year in advance. And then finally, when it came, I camped out um, and we bought it at the PlayStation 2 and we bought two of them. We flipped one and paid for the nice. paid for the other one. And then I just didn't play it after that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I grew up with video games. We had like before Nintendo came out, we had an, an Intellivision, uh, and then we had like all of the Nintendo systems growing up, and then PlayStation, whatever. I've never been like hardcore gamer man, but like, like I'm not going on Reddit and complaining about video games or something like everyone else does. <laughs> but you know, I, I really like you know I like certain kinds of games, and I like to sit down and just relax and play a video game every now and then. Um, yeah, absolutely, it's pretty cool. All right, my sick pick for today is more of like a, a sick hot tip pick where it's uh, here. I'll just explain it. Um, so when I'm when I'm designing something, whether it's a, a new course or um, like right now, I'm designing a slide deck for a conference that I have next week. Um, one of my like I'm I don't know if I consider myself a designer or not, but I, I have a lot of like little tricks and tips that I, I like to use. OK, <laughs> well, when I design something. Um, and you, one of the biggest things is getting a nice font, right? Uh, and the first thing that people do is they go to Google fonts and then they just start scrolling through the like 12,000 fonts that are available there. Um, and when you're doing like a slide deck or you're trying to do like a hero image on a website, it's nice to have something that is not the same font that everybody else is using on their website. We all have enough lobster in our lives, yeah. uh, to, to <laughs> make this work. So um, my, my tip is to go to these websites where these independent font designers, uh, sell their fonts and pick up one of those because these fonts are often very ornate, very, uh, very unique. They're not on Google fonts. Um, and you can buy them for 10, 20, 30 bucks for a really, really nice font. And it just makes your stuff look so much better than uh, using one of the built-in default fonts. So it's a little bit of a, a trick or a hack that I like to do is to not use a built-in one. You can always convert them to web fonts if you need to. Um, some of them can't be though because they're, they're massive because each letter is like a big ornate SVG file. But a lot of them can be converted to, to web fonts and they, they, they work out and look really nice. 
Are there any uh, places in particular you yeah, would recommend? Yeah, so I used to go, and I was this was going to be my tip, is I used to go to this website called Selfie, and they would have, like, every couple of months they would have these like packs of like 6,000 fonts and all these oh, yeah. brushes and I would buy for like 19 bucks and I would buy them all and then there'd be like lots of good stuff in there and uh, Selfie they recently discontinued their marketplace um, so now I go to Creative Market where uh, a lot of the same uh, creatives sell their their fonts and their their brushes and uh, all that stuff Photoshop actions and, and whatnot yeah cool I, re- I really like in terms of like fonts I like lost, lost type. Yeah. I, I used uh, to use lost type a lot, but then it got so popular that you started. I don't know if this was, this was me or not. Are they still putting out new fonts? I think so. Oh, I haven't been here in, in a long, long time. I remember this was like the, one of the first like pay what you can font websites yeah. and they're just amazing yeah. stuff. So lost type is, is really good as well. So that's pretty yeah, neat. Pretty and good. these ones, these ones are often web ready as well, which is great. Yeah. Super cool. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, you have any uh, shameless plugs? Shameless plug. I'm going to shamelessly plug my ES6 course, which I already have. Um, it's now ES6 and beyond. Uh, it includes all of the async await and uh, a whole bunch of new stuff that has sort of come to JavaScript. So, uh, first, if you've bought it, uh, then just go and log in and, and watch the new videos. They're just tacked on to the end. I also updated the Babel video to not use the ES 2015 preset, but to use the ES or the Babel preset ENV, um, which is kind of like auto prefixer for JavaScript. So you just tell it, I need to support these browsers and then it will tell you what to compile and it will tell you what to keep as native ES six because all your browsers support it. So uh, yeah, a whole bunch of ups, go to ES six.io and grab that. Cool. What about you? uh, yeah, I'm going to plug my uh, new Mastering Figma course, which Ooh. is available for subscribers now, as well as it's on the store as of like right now. Um, so by the time this episode releases, it'll definitely be on the store, store.leveluptutorials.com, Mastering Figma. Figma, if you don't know, is basically the coolest new design application. It's cross-platform. It has these like amazing features for collaboration. So, um, you know, Wes and I could work on a doc, Google Doc style. It's basically basically like sketch meets Google Docs. Wow. Right? We could both work on the same project. I could see his cursor moving stuff around. We could write comments to each other like, I think this should be blue. And then you can change it and tweak it and whatever. Um, there's also so a handful of awesome prototyping tools and uh, presentation tools. So you can give actual like really great design presentations with your app, um, even with like hotspots clicking through without having to take it into Envision or something else like that. Uh, it would be so handy. I can think of like a billion times working at agencies where those presentation view like would have just killed it for us. And instead we made a PDF out of <laughs> sketch files and stuff like that. So uh, it's definitely one of those apps that's totally changed paradigm shift for me. It's like excellent, excellent, excellent. They they just launched this like team libraries feature that allows you to like really truly organize all of your components so you can build out your whole component library in Figma and store it all in a nice organized manner with labels and descriptions and stuff like that of all your components. And it's super duper flexible. Um, all of your components can be updated and um, they can be manipulated and transformed and you can create sub components and components within wow. components. It is just 
super duper cool. Uh, I wouldn't gush over this if it wasn't like my new favorite thing in the entire <laughs> world. So uh, if you want to learn Figma, mastering Figma uh, on store.leveluptutorials.com, or you can become a subscriber to Level Up Tutorials. And I'm going to be doing a new series every single month. So if you become a subscriber, you'll get access to all of that new stuff as well. That's wicked. Congrats on launching that. Thank you. Been uh, working on it for a long time. I bet. Big, yeah. Big fan. Wicked. I think that's it. We did sick picks and shameless plugs. Um, other than that, if you have any tips for this episode that you want to give to to newbies, make sure you tweet it at SyntaxFM on Twitter. What, what I've been doing is um, I've just been sharing all of the tips and retweeting them. It's kind of cool because like I, I didn't really know what to do with the uh, the syntax FM Twitter account. Um, and obviously we can post like when the show goes live, but it's, it's kind of cool because if you're ever looking for like a handful of tips, whether it's command line or VS code, or now, uh, advice for newbies, just tweet it at syntax FM and then we'll retweet some of the good ones. Uh, and, and other people can get some, uh, some benefit out of that. Yeah. We're just going to smash that, smash button. that retweet button all day long. Yep. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, we'll see you next week. Head on over to Syntax.fm for a full archive of all our shows. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player and drop a review if you like the show. Until next time, peace.